What up, world? Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. While you're here, do us all a favor and hit that follow button. Then join us every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday for more top-tier NFL content. Welcome to the city. Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, alongside my cats who are here in this new <laughs> office of mine that I'm just trying to get together. Uh, but I'm joined, of course, as always, by your boy, AJ Johnson. Below us, we have my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukesiah Mukes. It is a beautiful July 6th. More whoa! Whoop, 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 whoop. There it is. There we it both is. saw it coming. Yeah. I knew he was gonna. Stop. I, wasn't, I wasn't gonna say anything. I knew it was gonna. Well, happen. I, I, I saw a all black people look alike. We know. Pulling the curtain back, someone I don't know which one of you was moved me into the right spot, and I saw that, and I was like, okay, everyone's in the right spot. I don't need to do anything. Like this is good to go. And then now it's me looking like the plantation asshole that I am. Uh, I digress. If you're not on, if you're not watching us on YouTube, you probably should. Uh, it is a beautiful July 6th morning here in the city. Episode 50 is about to kick off. Episode that's a, I feel like that's a baby milestone for for us here. Yeah. Uh, 50 shows is a special time here for us in in Sac City. We've been rolling. Uh, we're talking AFC South today: Jaguars, Titans, Texans, uh, Colts. That's the other team. Dylan's Colts. Talking their fantasy outlook for 2022. Aaron, how goes it on this beautiful Wednesday morning? Uh, it's good, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm here. I'm uh, hopefully my internet stays alive today. I'm getting internet into my new apartment on Thursday, so that'll be nice. Uh, but yeah, I'm good, man. I'm I'm excited. Talk, you know, Jaguars. I guess. Uh, no, I got a lot to say. You know, you know, I have a lot to say about the uh, AFC South. I got some some hot takes, especially where, when we kick it off right with right off the top. So, um, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a, a set like you, you would think with there's some some of these teams in this division don't have a whole lot of juice when it comes to fantasy. You you look at a big drop off when it comes to certain players and like like the between like, a, for example, like Brandon Cooks. When we get to the Texans, it's like there's Brandon Cooks as a fantasy option. And then there's everyone else is super far until you get to the next good value for a Houston Texans player. But we're going to talk about that and so much more in just a few moments. Let's get into our morning headlines here. Aaron, your boy Deontay Johnson has made headlines. Well, I should say people reporting with the Steelers have made headlines talking about your boy Deontay Johnson. The Athletic reports that the Steelers won't offer Deontay Johnson, quote, anything near McLaurin or anybody else that got more than $20 million this year or per year. Do you think Deontay Johnson should be getting that $20 million price tag that just like everyone else that has gotten this, this, uh, this off season? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, you guys know how I feel about Deontay Johnson. I've, I've been pretty high on him. I mean, as far as I can remember, this is a guy that is super athletic when he first came into. So we just gotta let that happen. <laughs> I, was like, should I, I was like, should I jump in? I, like, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know if it. I didn't know if it was me or him. I didn't know if it was me or him. To be honest, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. What are your thoughts on Deontay Johnson? The reports about the Steelers might not be looking to pay Deontay Johnson that twenty million dollar price tag that we've seen other receivers get. Uh, when it comes to this thought process, I do believe Deontay Johnson is talented enough to deserve that type of money, especially the way the NFL is headed, the way the market demands. And that's what we talk about in the NFL every every single year. It's the next player up. There's a lot of players that don't deserve the type of money they're going to get, and sometimes they don't. But most likely than not, they get paid more than they would because that's what the market demands. With that being said, 
this is nothing new for the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion. Every single year, there's somebody who wants to get paid early. They say, we're not doing that. There's somebody who wants to get paid more. They say, we're not doing that. I think back to, I remember Martavis Bryant wanted to get paid when he had himself a good season. They held off on that. Antonio Brown wanted to get paid early. They held off on that. Now they finally did make him the highest paid wide receiver. And how did he thank them? We all know how that story went. And even when they did that, it was after he had six seasons of over 100 receptions each year and over 1,000 yards each year. So he literally had to be one of the best wide receivers the NFL had ever seen for them to justify paying him that money. And then he ruined it for everyone after them. So it just it's one of those things where it's the last old-school mentality, I feel like, that the Pittsburgh Steelers hold on to. It's the way they've done things. It's the way it works for them. Uh, and I think they're just staying true to who they are. Now, with that being said, I think they'll pay him. I don't know if it'll be that much, but maybe they'll get him a friendly deal and then he'll show that he deserves more. And then once he does, they'll pay him better. But this is who the Pittsburgh Steelers are and who they have been. Yeah, that's what I feel like. It, it, it's more on the fact that the Steelers are not known for breaking the bank for a wide receiver. I mean, we've seen it happen breaking the bank for any position i should say at least on the offensive side of the ball i mean we saw all the headaches with levy on bell then i mean antonio brown and i mean they didn't go out and re-sign juju smith schuster i mean the steelers are known to be an organization i feel like that that will not break the bank if they don't have to okay so now that we've talked about deontay johnson we'll possibly get aaron back in here uh in just a few moments uh Man, it's so funny watching him in the green room. Just he just goes away. He goes with the blank screen. It's crazy yeah. at, at, at it's, some it's, point. It's tough. Yeah, it is. It is. But um, so that's our morning headlines. Deontay Johnson was it? He was the big time headline. Oh, Aaron might be back. He might be back. Let's bring him in. <laughs> Let's bring him out. AJ, <laughs> do us a favor while we go through all of this and try and get everything working here. Tell the beautiful people at home where they can follow us at. Well, I mean, I know that it is Wednesday, but don't it feel like a case of the Mondays? Check it out, Sac City Pod, ladies and gentlemen. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We need you guys to hit the love, hit the likes, hit the shares, and tell everybody about Sac City Pod. Nine times out of ten, the internet is way better. So always check in with your boys at Sac City Pod once again. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Your boys are still here in town. Come join the city. Sac City, that is. Hashtag GMSC. Wednesday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. Yo. Dude. Yo. This is completely off topic. No one's going to give a shit about this that's watching us right now. But StreamYard has added... StreamYard has added the ability to add our own music Stop and our tracks. It. So a soundboard is coming. Music is coming. Bruh. It's going to be great. Shout out StreamYard for being the best streaming platform out there. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's happening? Who did that? Uh, <laughs> I just entered myself back in, but I'm not AJ Johnson. Hey, we can hear you perfectly. Tell us about your Deontay Johnson take before we move on. I don't want to talk about Deontay Johnson. Pay the man. Got it. Pay the man. <laughs> Got it. Let's get into our fantasy football talk. Covering the AFC South, we're going to get positional real quick and dive into one of the bigger positional topics within the AFC South. Lots of potentially good wide receivers within the AFC South. There's Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Alec Pierce, guys like that. AJ, how would you rank the fantasy wide receivers in the AFC South? You know, I, uh, I, I won't say struggled with this, but I definitely had many different thoughts here, and mostly because this division is just devoid of a lot of great talent, but there are some good guys. So um, at the top, I do think uh, he's shown his consistency enough. Uh, Brandon Cooks at number one for me, only two seasons where it wasn't 1,000 yards, still only 29, and I know that's a little bit older, but he's not over the hump of 30 yet. Um, then I got Robert Woods second, and I argued a little bit with myself with him there and Michael Pittman, but uh, I decided to go Robert Woods. Uh, his last two full seasons were great in L.A. before the injury. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Michael Pittman, I like the rise that he's coming up with. Uh, Christian Kirk, I think he's going to have a good time down there in Jacksonville uh, with Trevor Lawrence and whatnot. Uh, and then on the second half, I went Traylon Burks. I like the upside, uh, you know, if he can stay on the field. I know there's uh, some issues right now, but – 
I mean, we don't know until the season actually starts. Marvin Jones has shown a little bit of consistency and can be trusted. And then uh, I went with Alec Pierce over John Mechie with the thought process that Alec Pierce will kind of fit into his scheme a little bit more uh, and I think will kind of help out uh, 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 Matt Ryan a little better. And then I put John Mechie just as he comes into the season later on. I think he's their new version of Will Fuller, hopefully without the injuries going forward, but uh, not to say much because he has one now. But, uh, you know, yeah, that, that's the that's the eight I went with for now. Um, you know, we'll see how it pans out. Aaron? I find that very interesting that, um, number one, you have Robert Woods, number two. Number one, you have Robert Woods, number two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like that's way too high for a guy in a new offense, in a low-volume passing offense, who's probably going to be the number two there behind Traylon Burks coming off an ACL injury. Um, and I wholeheartedly disagree with having Michael Pittman below Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is far more consistent as over the years we've seen him be a more consistent wide receiver. But I think we saw what Michael Pittman was capable of last year. Finished uh, the season uh, as, I believe, RB16 or RB17. Um, had a phenomenal year. Uh, a guy that's a, a touchdown threat, a huge touchdown threat in the red zone. Now you add in Matt Ryan. Had 1,000 yards last year, almost 90 catches. I think he's a little bit better situated than Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks had a good year last year, like he does every year. And he was wide receiver 20. And I think that's kind of where he fits in is that middle of the wide receiver two category. But I think his upside is capped. I don't think his upside will have him touching or have a chance to really touch the top 12 wide receivers. I think Michael Pittman can get into the top 12 wide receivers. I would have it Pittman because it's more, you know, pick, throw a dart. I'll say this real quick. Uh, I do think part of me and a big part of me kind of went NFL ranking over fantasy while I was like looking at this. Um, That's fair. But with that being said too, because I, I started with Michael Pittman at my number one. And as I kept going and moving things around, the consistency of Brandon Cooks didn't only come with that. It also came with the thought process of, um, of the fact that he's just done it with whatever quarterback he's ever been with. The only seasons he, like, his first season in rookie yard, 500 yards, then a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand. Then the year when Robert Woods went off, I think it was 2017 or 2019 in LA. When Robert Woods went off, Brandon Cooks wasn't able to get it there, and he ended up in the five thousand again. Goes to Houston, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand. You know, so you're right about the consistency. Thinking about the fantasy and the upside, I do like the Michael Pittman being in that top three. And I was talking with Vinny off camera. I, I probably would have had him number two, but. When we're going to get into it later, but I definitely disagree with the Traylon Burks being the number one over Robert Woods. But we'll, we, we can I get think, into that a little bit later. I think something that interests me in this conversation about, especially about Brandon Cooks and the Texans, and I, I don't want to talk about this when we get to the, I guess I could save this for a text. I want to know about Brandon Cooks a little bit more, not necessarily about his fantasy outlook, but talking about the player that is Brandon Cooks when we get to the Texans because really there's not a whole lot of meat when it comes to the Texans. So I'll save that there, but I personally would have Michael Pittman at two and Brandon cooks at one, just because just for now, because the, the, the safety that we know that Brandon cooks is the guy who has done it before. And obviously Aaron, you did present the stats of his ceiling has never been that wide receiver one. He's always been that middle, middle of the pack wide receiver two. And Michael Pittman jr. Has the potential, um, I with with that being said and with Brandon Cooks being the tease for talking about the Texans, I'm also very interested to see what you guys' thoughts are on Matt Ryan and how he brings in a, a change to this Indianapolis Colts offense and what that does for Michael Pittman Jr. We'll get into that when we talk about the Colts. We're going to start, though, our fantasy outlook for the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans, and there really is nowhere else to begin then with Derrick Henry because on our previous shows Aaron you have been on on and we've well I think we all kind of almost come to a consensus on how we feel about one Derrick Henry entering the season although on Friday's show if you missed it I was starting to lean towards hyping up Derrick Henry because of his Instagram workout videos which is absolutely absurd to hype up anyone about uh or because of Aaron you think that Derrick Henry might take a step back this season. So where does he finish and where should Derrick Henry be drafted? 
Uh, well, let me make things very, very clear before I get to the negative side of Derrick Henry. Um, he's a first round pick. <laughs> I mean, uh, middle of the first round is kind of where I'm looking at him. And I think my internet's going to go out again. However, um, this is a guy that's only finished in the top five running backs twice. So when we're picking him, we're talking about a guy who we, who many think could be the number one overall running back, number one overall player. I just don't think in a PPR format we can trust him to do that. I think we have to look at the offense he plays in, his skill set in the passing game, which is very limited. And, and just, again, his age and coming off an injury uh, with a lot of carries under his belt. Derrick Henry is going to be good, but I think there's other backs that you're looking at taking over the fact over him when you're talking about top five players overall. And I think that's guys like Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, um, perhaps a Cooper Cup and, and so on. So Derrick Henry, middle of the first round picks five through eight, uh, six through nine. If you're taking him there, if he drops there and you get him, you're, you're probably happy. I always say I will never probably have Derrick Henry on my team. Because I'm never going to take him where he goes. Do you think he finishes as an RB1 this season? <clears throat> Barring injury? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But okay. but again, we look at those RB1s we talk about. Like, I have Josh Jacobs finishing as an RB1. I mean, uh, to finish as an RB1 to top 12 is not that hard to do when you're a guy that gets the ball as much as Derrick Henry gets the ball. Because the volume alone will give you the, the numbers. So – when we're talking, I mentioned it before, what, three guys, a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, three guys in the entire NFL. Can Derrick Henry go a thousand and 10 touchdowns? Absolutely. But does that mean he's going to be a top five back? Maybe not. So uh, when you, when you account for the, the passing down work that some of these guys are going to get. So yes, he'll be a, a, a top 12 running back, uh, probably more in the middle than, than the back end. But um, if anybody's going to drop out, he could be one of them. Like there, there is a significant chance that that offense takes a step back and they don't score as many touchdowns. AJ. I'm okay with him going where he is, uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, that type of thing. Uh, I absolutely think he can finish in the top five. I, I believe Derrick Henry has one more year of his dominance. I don't know if it's running back one, uh, you know, if Christian Caffrey stays healthy, we know he's going to be in the argument for that. I think Jonathan Taylor is in for a close to repeat season. Not when, you know, we'll talk about that, of course, but not exactly where it was, but enough to be in the top three, top four. Um, so uh, I, I think Derek Henry can finish inside the top five. So if you're drafting him four to eight, yeah, I agree. You're going to be happy. I, I did want to point out one thing, and I think this is important especially for people who think about taking Derrick Henry with the number one overall as the number one overall running back. Derrick Henry ran for 2000 yards and 17 touchdowns two years ago. And he still wasn't the RB one. Like he was RB three. Like, so like 2000 yards, which is rarely done in the NFL, almost 20 touchdowns. And he still wasn't the RB one. That to me, it, it's not, a, I don't want to say it's a problem. It's just, like that upside is always limited by his like by his limited usage in the passing game. And yes, we're talking three to number one. It's not a huge deal. But when I go to take that number one draft pick, I want the Christian McCaffrey years when he's running for 1600, catching 900 and, you know, scoring 20 touchdowns. Like th that's what I'm looking for. Jonathan Taylor last year, I'm looking for numbers like that. And with Derrick Henry, I just don't think you can get him because the man's never had 20 catches in the season. He's never had more than 206 receiving yards. Like it just, he doesn't catch the ball enough. He's got a cap. He's, he's got a cap. And that's, and that's the thing you have to be concerned with the injuries too, with, with a guy like Derrick Henry, bigger back, obviously with a ton of work, uh, a ton of work that he gets, who knows if he's going to be able to get with, with saying the, the, the amount of carries that he's been getting. I, I have a feeling if he ends up getting the amount of work that he, he has had in the past, he won't survive a full 17 games of the season, uh, or they're going to have to use Hassan Haskins a little bit more or whatever running back they have in Tennessee. That's going to, that's going to come in AJ outside of Derrick Henry. We talk about Traylon Burks and Robert Woods. Let's get into it here. You had Robert Woods over Traylon Burks. What makes you think he is the number one weapon here in Tennessee? And is he the best fantasy option outside of Derrick Henry? I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be in that offense. Uh, 
with with Robert Woods, firstly, I mean, he's he's been back since uh, early May at this point. He was in OTAs. I was watching a couple workouts with him, and he's doing cutting drills and looking good. Uh, and they're talking about how how he's looked since he's come back. And I mean, they're not just saying, "Oh, he's going to be okay." They're, they're using words like he's already explosive. He's running phenomenal. Uh, they expect him to be 100% by week one. And if that's the case, I think Ryan Tannehill is likely to trust the veteran a little more than he trusts the rookie at this point in time, as well as the fact that he hasn't been able to build enough chemistry with Traylon Burks at this point because he hasn't been able to be there in OTAs and in minicamps. Now, again, that might change. We all know last year we talked about Jamar Chase dropping the ball. He came out and had one of the best rookie seasons that we've ever seen. Um, so I'm not saying fade Traylon Burks by any means, but I do believe – what Robert Woods will be able to bring to a game uh, like for Ryan Tannehill will be something he looks for. You, you, you talk about his usage in the screen game. You talk about his usage in the short game, the versatility and being able to run the ball. Uh, there's just so many different ways they're going to be able to get him the ball. Now, the other thing I want to bring up with Robert Woods is his last two full seasons in LA were pretty damn good. We're not talking about his injury last year. Um, he 90 catches each of those two years averaged a thousand yards and uh, was on about uh, average of 134 targets. You think about AJ Brown leaving, you think about Julio Jones leaving, that's about 150 targets that have opened up. Then if you want to go a step further, they lost 14 players that had at least two targets for Ryan Tannehill. There's a total. And I looked this up quote Yahoo sports. So if I'm wrong, go yell at Yahoo. There's a total <laughs> of 351 targets that have opened up uh, for this passing game. Now, I just told you Robert Woods had 134 in L.A. We bring up the fact that they don't pass as much. Let's say 105, 110 targets for uh, for Robert Woods, which is about accurate. A.J. Brown was averaging about 106. Robert Woods carries a 67% catch rating. Talk about 74 receptions. That that could easily turn into another 1,000-yard receiver for uh, a 1,000-yard receiving year for Robert Woods, and that's not even counting whatever he may bring to the rushing game. So I think that he's going to be the trust factor, and then Traylon Burks is going to be able to open the field and make the big plays and gain trust as the season goes on. Uh, and, and that's kind of how I see it breaking down in this first season uh, for the Tennessee Titans, Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, so on and so forth. <laughs> if you're not what you said about like Robert Woods is not wrong at all. Um, everything you talk about his skill set, he brings all of that to the table. It's just on the wrong team. It's in the it's in the wrong offense. Robert Woods was successful with the Rams because of the offense that Sean McVay put forth in, in, in there. If you look at his most successful seasons with the Rams, it was because of the type of offense that they ran. 2018, 2019 when he had his thousand yard seasons and then 2020, when he almost got to a thousand, that was a spread it out. Sean McVay mastermind type offense. This is not that this is a pound it, pound it, pound it play action, deep shot offense, which doesn't fit Robert, uh, Robert Woods's game. It fits Traylon Burks, which is why it fit AJ Brown. And I, this might sound silly, but <laughs> this is Robert Woods is more like Julio Jones in the Tennessee Titan offense than he is uh, A.J. Brown in the Tennessee Titans office. Tennessee Titans don't throw bubble screens. Tennessee Titans, they run play action, 15-yard digs, post routes, deep goes. Those aren't Robert Woods. And so unless that offense changes or they change how they incorporate Robert Woods, I don't know how that fits. I do think there are a number of targets that are going to be available in that offense. I think a number of those targets will go to Burks. I think a number of them will go to Robert Woods, but I think they won't be – they, he won't have as many yards after the catch with the style of offense they play. And then Austin Hooper is also in that offense now who I think is going to play a big part in the over the middle type stuff. So I, I do think Robert Woods can be ineffective. And I, and I told you guys this before in the off season, I think he's a much better fit in Tennessee as a football player than as a fantasy asset. I don't think his fantasy numbers are going to be able to live up to what we would need. If he gets 110 targets and 70 catches, he's probably going to have about 650 yards. That's what I think. I don't. Uh, this might be this might be a little drastic here, but I don't think I want either of them. Like, it's not like I'm like saying like I want to avoid like if they if they're val if I get I get a good value for them I'm not going to take them. But like at their ADP and it's not like it's a bad ADP, 
But I don't think I want either one of those guys unless they're an absolute steal. In in my opinion, I don't I don't like I don't like that Tennessee Titans offense as much. Like you said, Aaron, the this is a this is a run first team. It's Derrick Henry, and then it's everyone else. And taking the shot on Traylon Burks, taking the shot on Robert Woods, I'm not really sure I want to make that gamble unless it's going to be something drastic. Right now, Robert Woods is being drafted as the wide receiver 39, and Traylon Burks is being drafted as the wide receiver 42. I don't know if I I'd want them. I there's other guys around going around there that I would rather have. Drake London's going ahead of uh, or Drake London's going around there. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's going around there. Christian Kirk, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, is going around there. Um, Russell, I think I'd I'm rather. You. Would you rather Russell? Would you rather Russell Gage or 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 one of those guys? Russ, Russell Gage or Robert Woods slash Traylon Burks? If you were asking me in a year where Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were there the whole season, and I know Antonio Brown was fine as a third piece in that offense, but even even with all this going on, Antonio Brown talent-wise is an uptick to Russell Gage. But I think because he's still the third option, like I would, I would probably end up taking one of those guys around there, knowing that they are going to be the focal point after a Derrick Henry. But I'd be very happy to get Russell Gage because I think that rapport is going to be really nice with Tom Brady, and it's Tom freaking Brady. <laughs> I'd probably take Russell Gage. I mean, I'd probably take Traylon Burks over Russell Gage. Just because he's the number one. That's that, that's like the, I feel it's, like that's what separates them. It's, it's, it's not because it's not really defined that he's the number one. We assume he's the number yeah. one because he's the first round pick. It's really that style of offense. If you look at the way they ran that offense with AJ Brown, they did draft Traylon Burks to be AJ Brown. I mean, we joked about him being 2.0 because he's not AJ Brown per se, but they drafted him to do those things to go deep and stretch the field. So there's a situation where maybe Traylon Burks only has like 50 catches, 56 catches, but he might have 50 catches and almost a thousand yards and, and seven touchdowns. And that is going to be a useful fantasy number. Um, and he's going to be on the field. I know that for sure. As long as he's healthy. Yeah. So um, I think I would probably go there. Cause I think the upside is tremendous. If he does have one of those crazy years where Russell Gage is going to be capped because of that offense and how many guys they get involved and there's going to be games where he has two catches for 26 yards, and there's games going to have nine catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. So um, I, I do like Traylon Burks to be the guy in Tennessee that if you're going to take a Tennessee wide receiver, and I'm with you, Vinny, I'm staying away in most cases. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going yeah. to take a guy, I, I probably would lean towards Burks just because of yeah. the upside. I think yeah, his and, first and, year is between Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. Like I, in Tennessee, in Tennessee, like that—that's just kind of what I see, and I know that can be pretty drastic if you remember Corey Davis's rookie year with Marcus yeah. Mariota. But but still, I mean, that's what we're looking at. They're, we're thinking about these rookies coming in in that first year in that first in that, in that offense. So yeah, there's a few wide receivers going around there that I Drake London, uh, Russell Gage I'd consider Michael Gallup I'd consider and Alan Lazard I'd all, I'd consider all those guys over over Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, to be to be completely honest. I mean, uh, to be fair, but, AJ AJ Brown's rookie year was 50 catches, a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. And 80, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't a bad by any means. I I, yeah. I think the number I hearkened on was his 84 targets. And I feel like I feel like it's gonna be somewhere around there. I don't expect Traylon Burks to be in the triple digit targets his first Correct. year. Correct. I agree. And I think he might need that to have the type of AJ Brown year that he had. Agreed. That's fair. Agreed. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts here. And obviously the biggest piece on this offense that they brought in was Matt Ryan. It's going to be quite possibly completely changed what we have seen before from the Colts, but the focal point of that offense with Matt Ryan (laughs) brought in whoever you bring in that focal point of that offense is Jonathan Taylor. AJ, what will his workload look like though? with Matt Ryan being there because it obviously still most likely going to be the focal point, but what does Matt Ryan do to Jonathan Taylor's workload? I think it kind of helps preserve him actually not saying that they're going to just stop using him or anything. But if you recall last season, as uh, Carson Wentz kind of went downhill, they started to rush the ball a lot more until the 
game that it mattered and you know they tried to let him prove it all uh <laughs> but so i i think i think you're gonna see him carry the ball a little less i mean last season he had 332 touches i think you may see something this year like 315 320 uh but the other thing is i think he gets involved a little more in the passing game and i think that's something frank reich talked about wanting to see because he he proved he can do it you know last season he had i think it was 40 uh 40 receptions on 51 targets uh this is a guy who can catch the ball and the thing that Matt Ryan does better than Carson Wentz is he'll get to his check down a lot quicker. He might notice his check down before the snap. And Carson Wentz will take the deep bomb and hope his receiver gets it rather than check it down, uh, whereas Matt Ryan will go through those progressions and more than likely make the right play. And granted, this year he'll have the time to do that. And even though it's not the la- last year's offensive line, it's still 20 times better than what Atlanta's offensive line was last season. So I think you see him – I think I expect uh, – Jonathan Taylor to have like something like eight or nine more catches than he did last season uh, and probably like 15 to 20 less catches. And as Aaron says, I do believe Naheem Hines will be back in this offense, kind of like he was when Phillip Rivers was there, another quarterback who would find his checkdowns as running backs. Uh, so, and, and they do this. So that way next season, you're not just using up Jonathan Taylor. He can come back if all was healthy and do the same thing again. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the route that you took on that because I, like even though Matt Ryan may bring more pass attempts to this offense, most likely will, uh, Jonathan Taylor is still that dude and it's going to preserve him to where it could be to the point where he ends up doing even more work and more giving you more fantasy production than what he did last year. Obviously, it's tough to be able to duplicate what he did last year and you might see that regression but it's not going to be that drastic. Jonathan Taylor is still going to be that dude. And obviously like you talk about Jonathan Taylor, it's like, why are you talking about him? You know, he's going to be one of the top, uh, probably a top five running back. It's just what Matt Ryan does to his, to his workload is, is the biggest point here. Aaron, are you on your, you're okay with everything that we just said with that? Or are you, you thinking over uh, there? For the most part, I just, Listen, there, there's one thing that just scares me. It's, it's the amount of touches in the NFL that don't with that don't carry over from year to year. And uh, it's not that Jonathan Taylor can't handle a workload, but you're talking about a guy who got 370, 360 touches, something like that, 370 touches last year. Um, that amount of touches by a running back can't, it, it just can't sustain. Like I, I believe there's only usually three or four guys every year that go over like three actual 300 touches. Most of these guys are 220, 230 carries, 50 catches, around 280, get upwards of almost 300. Jonathan Taylor was almost at 400. I don't see a year where they do that to him again. This is not a team. They weren't success. Let's be honest. They weren't successful actually doing it. They they didn't even make the playoffs. (laughs) He was successful, but as a team, they weren't successful. They were trying to protect Carson Wentz. And in doing so, they put a lot on a Jonathan Taylor and he had a hell of a season. But this year, I don't think they feel the need to protect Matt Ryan in that way. I think they look at Matt Ryan as a guy, this guy's won an MVP. He's been to a Super Bowl. I I think they feel comfortable saying, you know what, Matt Ryan can go and win us a game and we don't have to worry about not letting him throw the ball 30 to 35 times if we can keep him upright. So I think that Jonathan Taylor's touches do come down this year. Does it mean his production comes down? No, but I do think that when we look at fantasy, we have to be careful when looking at a guy that just went for 1,800 yards, almost 20 touchdowns or a total of 20 touchdowns and say, that's good. It's going to happen again because if he loses, say he loses 20 carries and he, and he catches, you know, an extra 10 balls, like AJ said, there, there could be a, and maybe he doesn't score 20 touchdowns again this year. Maybe Matt Ryan actually throws for more touchdowns this year. That That's going to bring those numbers down. So I, I just worry about having those same expectations from what a guy, the number one overall player did year after year when you're bringing in a new quarterback like, like Matt Ryan. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think you see, I think you see him come to about 1450 in yards and maybe around 14, 15 touchdowns, maybe falls in I, I don't think it, I don't see 18 and 18 or 18 and 20 again. 
that just I agree. It's hard to sustain. That's that's a crazy number. I mean, Derrick Henry literally had to run over the NFL to do it twice. So, <laughs> uh, and we know Jonathan Taylor. He's more he's more shifty. He can show the power. But I, I agree. I definitely think it's going to come down. You should expect that. You know, the other crazy thing too is even as a number one fantasy uh, option last night year at running back, he only averaged twenty two points a game. That's like the lowest uh, number one overall stat since like two thousand sixteen. I think maybe seventeen. So it's because the it's because the running still. back position is so down and they're always beat up. Yeah. There is no mm-hmm. more like we have seven bell cows and you know what I mean? They're yeah. all gonna play 15, 16 games. Like these guys don't play that you know right. a full season and it, it's too hard. So when you get a guy that does play a full season, I mean you're you're fortunate. Uh, I mean a full season could be like 15, 16 games because most don't play yeah. all 17. Right. Yeah. So we talk about the the usage of Jonathan Taylor and now Michael Pittman, on the other hand, as a wide receiver, AJ, you had him third on your list, arguably at two. Uh, Aaron, you would have possibly had him as the number one wide receiver in this AFC South last season. When you look at when the Colts started to really ramp up on the production and the usage of Jonathan Taylor, we saw Michael Pittman's stats start to drop. His first 10 games, 729 yards, five touchdowns, 33 receptions on 53 targets. Very good first 10 games. But when the Colts started using Jonathan Taylor and started really relying on him, we saw Michael Pittman's stats drop. And that's maybe an obvious thing to say. But now they bring in Matt Ryan. And that might be a a big-time difference maker for Michael Pittman Jr. Aaron, what is the ceiling and what is the floor for Michael Pittman? Uh, The ceiling is a wide receiver one. The floor is a wide receiver two. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a good floor. Oh, he is a great floor. This is a guy that is going to be a fantasy asset. He's going to be productive. He's a huge, huge, big body threat. The problem at the end of the season last year, wasn't really his usage. He didn't score any touchdowns. I believe from week 10 to week 18, he didn't score a touchdown. A lot of that had to do with Carson Wentz. He's not going to be a guy that's going to go out and get you like 10 catches, 140 yards. That's not really what he does. That's not how that offense really works. It's similar to the Tennessee offense as a running back who's going to get most of the looks. Michael Pittman's going to have to score touchdowns. And I think with Matt Ryan, it makes it a lot easier. But remember, he's still – He still has zero competition in the passing game. He is the number one target, the only guy that has any real experience offensively on the outside, and a veteran quarterback who has a history of throwing to receivers with his build. Big body guys that can go up and get it, that is not afraid to fit it into tight windows, which fits Michael Pittman's game. Um, He is their number one. He is their number two. Uh, And then Naheem Hines is probably their number three. So uh, I I think Michael Pittman this year is primed to have a, I I don't even know if I'd call it a breakout season because I thought last year was close to his breakout year. But I think this year you could be looking at a guy that goes for close to 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. So what about, and AJ, you know this very well because Matt Ryan and his days at the Atlanta Falcons, there was that time, and I'm not going to make the comparison of Michael Pittman Jr. and Julio Jones, But there was a time where a lot of people were very upset because Julio Jones would get everything but touchdowns. So you talk about the problems of Michael Pittman Jr. last year of not being the guy who scored the touchdowns, but just being the guy of getting yards. It is oddly similar to what Julio Jones was with Matt Ryan and the Falcons. No, 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 not the same. First of all, Atlanta's offense had a problem because Atlanta would never go to Julio Jones in the red zone. That was the biggest gripe with them is they'd always go elsewhere. They would never force feed Julio in the red zone. They'd force feed him 20 to 20 and then go somewhere else. And he wouldn't score any touchdowns. Um, That might be one of the biggest like fantasy misconceptions about a guy. Like, yeah, yeah, it's like Julio Jones. Oh, he never scores any touchdowns. His first two years in the league, he had eight and 10 touchdowns. He had two other years it, where he scored eight touchdowns. Like it was just they expected like the more because he had, he had such big yardage numbers. He didn't yeah. score a lot of touchdowns because they didn't run plays for him in the red zone. Um, I don't feel that way about Michael Pittman. And I'll be honest, Michael Pittman's probably a better red zone threat than Julio Jones. The way his he's built, he's just that 
that he goes and gets it. He's that big body guy that just goes and gets it. He's built for the red zone. And last year, again, Carson Wentz, it's all off the table when Carson Wentz is your quarterback. So I, 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 think, I, just, I think I can't trust it. I think this is really funny about how like the like Matt Ryan coming in and then what they have with Carson Wentz last year, the Indianapolis Colts threw a total of 521 pass attempts. Matt Ryan hasn't thrown less than 529 pass attempts since 2009. So most of the league. Yeah. His second year in the league that so Matt Ryan is, he he while he throws he likes to throw the ball and he's that's what he's been known to do in Atlanta so like this is and that's why I brought up the thing with Jonathan Taylor is because you bring you don't just bring in Matt Ryan to have him throw the exact amount of times or less than what they did with with Carson Wentz you bring him in to change this offense because you have to compete in this NFL to throw so that does alter what Jonathan Taylor does and it also bumps up what Michael Pittman does, I do see a high-end wide receiver two, fringe wide receiver two, wide receiver one type of season for Michael Pittman Jr. with Matt Ryan. Let's go to the and Houston Texans. Wait, wait, wait. I wanted to say one more thing about, yeah. about the comparison you made, which you brought up a really good point. Matt Ryan throws that way because Matt Ryan is checking at the line of scrimmage when there's too many guys in the box. Matt Ryan is being able to read defense and say, you know what, I know this play is designed for Jonathan Taylor, but I see a, a hole in the defense and I'm going to expose it. Carson Wentz, I don't know that he had the free reign to do that from a Frank Wright. Frank Wright was like, I know we got to keep you reined in. You turn around, you hand the ball off until I tell you to throw it. That's not going to be the case <laughs> with Matt Ryan. This guy has so much experience. He is going to throw the ball because the matchups, when defenses are stacking the box, he's going to check out of the run and he's going to throw the ball to Michael Pittman or whoever. <laughs> AJ, what? you look irritated. What are you talking about? What are you what what's wrong? Because he's mad because I'm talking one about his boy Carson Wentz. No, <laughs> no, no. Because the one time Matt Ryan should have checked, we would have won a damn Super Bowl, but he didn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, but hey, but but think about that. He should have checked to what? A run play. He didn't. He was still throwing the ball. Everybody was saying, why don't you run the ball? Matt Ryan's mentality was was no they're playing a certain way this is the right play it's this and two super bowl conversations we can talk about this the matt ryan obviously against the patriots when he decided to throw the ball and take the sack and then the seattle play which they didn't give the ball to marshawn lynch were both plays where matt ryan didn't check and russell wilson did check out of a run from from a run play to a pass play there's two formations they came out with they ran the pass play because the defense dictated what they wanted you to do Veteran quarterbacks do that because it, as a coach, you trust a process. It's not about pass or run. It's about what is the defense giving you? Make the appropriate play. Your job is to execute that play. Matt Ryan tried. Yes. In hindsight, it was bad. He took the sack. He shouldn't have. <laughs> that's, that's the bad play. Not necessarily the throw, but the fact that he took the sack was the bad play. So, but we only remember the stuff that cost you Super Bowls. The point I is, was talking about Ryan earlier when they went to Julio on third and nine on the right side of the field. And you run the ball instead and the clock runs down and they may not have enough time to get the overtime. But that's a whole nother conversation that I really don't <laughs> want to revisit. So we can move on to the Houston Texans. That's right. Dang. I want to talk about the four and 13 Houston Texans more than I want to talk about my damn Atlanta Falcons. Well, this one should be pain. It, it, should, it should be. We talked about Brandon Cooks earlier as possibly the number one wide receiver in this AFC South, but this is a this is a toss-up question. I didn't put anyone's name by it in the doc because really it's just a toss-up question. Is there is there and who is it that has the best fantasy value outside of Brandon Cooks? Is there anybody? Keith Sweat. Nobody, baby. <laughs> uh, real talk, I'll say it. Nope. The, if you want a name who the next best fantasy option is, I'm going to be honest, it, it's nobody, and you're taking a flyer on Damian Pierce, and hopefully he turns out to be the guy. Um, everybody else is going to be an absolute headache 
because you're going to think he's, oh, he's on the field. Marlon Mack's on the field. He should score some fantasy points until he doesn't. Um, whoever the outside desk Fitzpatrick or I don't know who, who's there. Who's there other? No, he's uh, on the team. Might be John who's there other? Oh, Nico, Nico Collins, Collins. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I was going to make this, the argument of the Nico, number yeah. one running back. That was late. I get it now. Oh, that's what I looked like. That was amazing. That was great. That was great. We, I think we can hear you now. I, I, I heard I don't Nico know what just happened. about it. Uh, you you did the uh, <laughs> and it was actually as interesting as you guys always told me it was watching me do it. So I got to live vicariously on the other. It was great. Um, I, I was going to make the argument of the number one running back. We saw we saw last year they were able to do it a couple weeks with Rex Burkhead, uh, Mark Inger when he was there. Um, so I, you know, but the thing is, we haven't seen Marlon Mack do anything since 2018, 19. We don't know what Damian Pierce is going to offer, except that he was pretty decent in college. Um, and then, you know, you got to wait for Mechie to be healthy. And even still, we 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 don't we just don't know. So, you know, you, you grab Brandon Cooks, <laughs> you pick up Davis Mills off the waiver wire to stream him one week. That's it. <laughs> like, until you see anything else that tells you otherwise. Uh, that's, hey, that's the only that's the only thought. Hey, Bre- Brevin Jordan did make an appearance on Aaron's top. 12 tight ends last season so that actually if anything, that actually is a good that that's actually a good point i didn't i didn't think about mentioning him yeah revan jordan could be fantasy relevant when it comes to tight ends he could fit into that tight end to uh maybe sneak into the top 15 or you know 18 or so uh definitely a streamer on some weeks uh yeah, i agree that that's not that's not a bad that's not a bad thought there yeah yeah but brandon cook's and then there's everybody else. I looked it up, Brandon. So, like, Brandon Cooks is going at, and I'm going to just let you guys do the math here because, again, not doing the math. 55th mm. pick. 55th pick. What round is that? Round four. Fifth. Pick seven. Great. Oh, round five. Okay, 48. So I do that all the time. <laughs> so, he's going yes. in the fifth round. The next closest Texan is Damian Pierce going at pick 134. So that's like the, that's like the, uh, yeah, that's like the 11th round. Yeah. Yeah. So not even close. Stay away from any other Texan other than Brandon cooks and hope for the best. Let's go on to our last team here. And it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. The, the bulk of the topics or the bulk of the talk with this Jaguars team really, I think goes to the running back position with James Robinson and Travis Etienne. AJ, how high are you drafting James Robinson? Obviously his ADP right now has him going around in the night, like the 90th pick um, that right there. I mean, maybe that's your spot, but how high are you drafting him? Or maybe are you just waiting for him to drop and drop and then get that value from him? I, and I think he will drop. I couldn't go any higher than round eight. Like, and that's, and that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't. To other people who really want James Robinson, I wouldn't go any higher than round eight. It's, I mean, and that's like you're hoping to hold on to him. Like at that point, I hope you also have ETA. Because in my opinion, like he tore his ACL in week 16. He's still rehabbing. And they're giving you so much smoke and mirrors on when he's supposed to come back. Is it week one? No. Is it week four? We don't know. I've heard November. I've heard December. Like I've heard so many different things about when he comes back. Now, I will say this. Uh, Doug Peterson says when he's healthy and when he comes back, he sees him as a three down back and wants to use him for a heavy workload. So I think you're looking at a, a backfield that could be similar to and not their talents, but the usage of uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Like Travis Etienne will get the run because I do think he's going to show out the first couple weeks, but I just don't know what to trust. You know, like if he comes back and Travis Etienne has been going great, are we only seeing James Robinson for the first three or four weeks at the goal line vulturing touchdowns? You like that, but you don't know if it's going to help you as often as you want it to be until he's really working. So at the highest, I would say the eighth, but me personally, I'd pick him up if he drops to me in the 10th. (laughs) (laughs) That's me, you know? I'd yeah. stay away. I, I've had my fun with him. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like someone else can grab. 
I like the I like the potential of, of James Robinson. We had, we discussed the ADP value between him and what well, you you're very you are very high on Chase Edmonds. You think he's going to be a, a could be a running back one this season, which is just mind blowing. Um, but I I would. I like where James Robinson is going in drafts. So I think I would take him at his, his ADP right now. He's actually going as the RB 37 at pick one Oh three. So you are looking at him around that eighth, ninth round. Uh, I think that's, that is the sweet spot for me. I think I would take him at that value because we've seen what James Robinson can do, obviously coming off of a, of a very severe injury. I think that that definitely uh, brings up some concern and obviously Travis Etienne now being there uh, taking, taking away some carries, taking away some targets matters a lot. I do just think though, talent will prevail when it comes to James Robinson and he'll still be a very good running back when he is on the field and return that value. If not uh, surpass that value as the RB 37. You say prevail, but I mean, like he's not going up against a scrub and I know we haven't seen Travis Etienne in, in the NFL, but I mean, like we were ready for him to come out a year sooner because of how explosive he was. And then he went back and just did it again. You know, and he's and I know this only matters so much, but he's with this guy. He's with T-Law ready to go again. That chemistry like that's the chemistry that I can think about. It's new. It's still fresh. You know, it's not like and I still think they're going to be good, but it's not like Derek Carr and Dave and Devontae Adams. That's years removed. We're talking about two seasons. You know, we're talking about yeah. the same year. And Tre- Trevor Lawrence now has one year in the NFL and can tell him how he needs to operate coming into the league to work with him the right way. So you say talent prevails, but we're talking about two very talented guys. I always, I always, and you guys can laugh at me all you want about this. I always felt bad for James Robinson in this situation once they drafted Travis Etienne, just because the fact that like Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, they're boys. And now James Robinson (laughs) just gets pushed off to the side, watching his quarterback now fall in love (laughs) with his running back. He's his boy. And now he's just the ugly duckling in that running back group, but he's not because he's, I think James Robinson is a very good running back. Go ahead, Aaron. Um, Well, first off, people are really high on Travis Etienne and I think he's going to play a role, but I think people forget how much usage he had at Clemson. Injuries are a factor with this guy. You're talking about a guy that had almost 700 carries in college. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. I don't see him as being an every down back in the NFL. So um, I I do believe that James Robinson has a role when he comes back. And James Robinson has proven to be a really, really good running back. Three down. Um, I think you're going to run into a situation where, to, to what AJ's point, I do think this is more of a Nick Chubb cream hunt type situation with ETN being used a little bit more in the passing game, even with James Robinson on the field. I think that's ultimately what will happen. Um, and I like it. I like, I like the idea of that. Um, it still remains to be seen what kind of fantasy output James Robinson's going to have though, coming off of the injury. That's the biggest deal here. Are you going to be able to wait for him? Are you going to have to reach on him? I, I believe a lot of people are going to shy away from James Robinson early. So I do believe there's chances where he's dropping into the 10th and 11th, 11th round just because people are going to realize he's not ready for training camp and they're going to kind of shy away thinking, Oh, this is ETN's backfield. And once he gets the job, he's going to run away with it. I don't believe that to be the case. So if you can get, if you can get James Robinson as a steal 11th, 12th round and no, everybody's passing on him. If you take him, you sit him down for the first half of the season and come the second half of the season, you could have a nice RB. So do you, so, so do you think that Travis Etienne can be uh, – do you think Travis Etienne as an RB2 is too rich, or do you think that's a sweet spot for him? No, no, he's he's a flex. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a flex to me at best. Um, yeah, right, I don't believe he – Right now – I don't believe he's going to be an RB2. Right now he is at as the RB23 and going at the – with the 48th pick. So, like, this is – Yeah, mean, behind – so behind guys, there are guys that are behind him. For instance, um, AJ Dillon, I'd probably have ahead of him. Miles Sanders, I'd probably have ahead of him. Damian Harris, I might have ahead of him. Uh, he's not going to get enough volume 
in that offense to start because number one, he's not a volume back. Like he's not going to be a volume back like that in that offense. They're going to have to throw. He, most of his work is going to come from the passing game. They don't score a lot of touchdowns. So his touchdown numbers are not going to be very high. I see a lot of Travis Etienne games as 11 carries, 52 yards, five catches, 36 yards, like stuff like that. So my, so let me, let me throw this perspective out there though. Like I get what you're saying. Like they don't score a lot of touchdowns. You're going to have to throw so on and so forth. We know Doug Peterson wants to throw, but when you say their offense won't and will do this, I mean, we don't know this offense anymore. Like what they had last year was atrocious first off. And now Doug Peterson comes in and implements something completely different. They have weapons, so to speak. Well, well at least we know more it's weapons like- than last year. We know it's a second-year quarterback who didn't look very good last year with a bunch of new weapons that they have to acclimate. So I'm sorry, but developed. My point, like I don't, you expect a lot from this offense being an undeveloped in the first year of new system. I expect more. I expect more. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna throw. What was it? 16 interceptions. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think he. I think he does find the end zone a couple more times. I think I think Travis Etienne can bail them out a couple more times. I don't think they're going to be world beaters. I heard some dumb shit earlier that someone's like they can be this year's Bengals. I don't see that, but but I don't think I don't think we're looking at a team that's just as as putrid as they were last season. I would love for the Jaguars to be this year's Bengals. Yeah, it's uh, watch it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but so what do you guys? What do you guys think? Do you think? Do you think this matters at all? What what with you brought up Doug Peterson coming in, implementing a new system, new offensive coordinator Press Taylor comes in as well. Used to be the senior offensive assistant for the Colts, quarterbacks coach for the Eagles under the Doug Peterson era. Does that matter at all to you guys when thinking when looking at like the the progression of a Trevor Lawrence and maybe a fan the fantasy progression of Trevor Lawrence, the finger. He's giving us the finger. No, I was just waiting to see if my internet was going to come back up. Um, I don't – I mean, first of all, Doug Peterson's going to call the plays. So Doug Peterson's really the one developing Trevor Lawrence. It's not Press Taylor or whoever the hell you want to talk about. Hey, man, don't Uh, disrespect Press Taylor. But but I I didn't – my internet went out, and I didn't really get a chance to respond to AJ's point about that, uh, the new offense and all that stuff. I'm not saying they're not going to be better. They can't be worse. Their offense was atrocious last year. I mean, it was absolute <laughs> dog shit. But James Robinson only had 700 yards last year. Yeah, they did not use him the way they used him the year before. And that that was something that got to me, actually, was the fact that James Robinson was used so heavily in 2020. And then 2021, there was weeks where they'd have him with 20 carries. And then another week, they'd have him with five. Like it just, it just what, and like I don't know how that comes back. Like to have a year like that, following the big year you had, and then be injured. So that's kind of one of the things that I'm, like that worries me a little bit. And again, when I say worry, I, I, I don't know when he's coming back. That's the biggest issue for me at that point in time. Vinny, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. No. I jumped in. <laughs> jumped in forward. I responded in kind. <laughs> Nowhere yeah, near no, probably I'm what a, he was gonna say, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I just I'm, I'm just hopeful as a Jags fan, you know, man. I'm just hopeful. Okay, there he is. He's he's alive. He's alive. Go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not alive. Not really. Jaguars suck. Could you like? Draft- so, did it sound like I was just talking over you while you were talking on your screen? No. Or could you see that you were okay? Because I, I was wondering about that. I was like, he probably like enough of this small enough of this small talk, Aaron. Your connection's great right now. Finish off. Um, let's talk about Christian Kirk. I I love the value of a Christian Kirk this year, just because um, I do see the improvement in Trevor Lawrence. But make no mistake about it, the Jaguars are going to have to throw a lot, which is why I don't think Travis Etienne will reach much better than running back two because they're going to be behind in games. They're not good enough to to take leads and keep leads. Like they're going to throw a lot. Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones are going to be the focal point of that. Um, I've, I've all but given up on LaVisca Chenault and stuff. So, um, but I do <laughs> think Christian Kirk is going to play a role in this offense. I, I do believe there's going to be some bubble screens, some quick stuff around the line of scrimmage, and he is electric with the ball in his hands. He can get downfield. 
Um, the biggest thing here was protecting Trevor Lawrence. And I think they addressed the offensive line that will allow these guys to get down the field and they'll be able to make big plays. So Christian Kirk, I like where his value is going right now, kind of as an underrated guy. What, let me see it. This may be, this may be wrong and I'm just throwing it out there. What's some, what similarities do you see between like an Alshon Jeffrey and a Marvin Jones Jr.? Very similar players or not similar players? Am I ridiculous to say that? I mean, I would look at them both as as possession receivers, but I think uh, Alshon Jeffrey had a little bit more explosiveness when it came to, like, contested catches. I mean, Marvin Jones is somebody who can do it, but any, any wide receiver worth his gloves should be able to make some contested catches, whereas Alshon Jeffrey, if he threw it up, he was going to get it. You know, that was, yeah. that was the era of the Georgia big boys, you know what I mean? And I don't know if Marvin yeah. Jones has that in him, but he's consistent and he's trustworthy. When you throw Marvin Jones the ball – and he's going over the middle, he's probably coming down with it, in my opinion. So so the reason why I asked that is because I, I said this last year about Marvin Jones, and I was very wrong. I don't want to say very wrong, but, like, I was high on Marvin Jones last year with Trevor Lawrence coming in, and I thought that Trevor Lawrence and Marvin Jones had a connection that would put at Marvin Jones as the wide receiver one on that team. And I think – I think there is something to say about Marvin Jones having a second year with Trevor Lawrence. And I know Christian Kirk's value. and I know that he's a good player and I'm not saying he's not going to be the number one receiver on that team, but don't, don't be surprised if Marvin Jones ends up being <clears throat> a fantasy relevant flex option. Stop, this season. stop, stop, stop. I, you know, you sound like every other person that has mentioned Marvin Jones' name for the past 10 seasons. It's, it's the same thing with Marvin Jones every year. He either starts really good or have like three games where he has two touchdowns and they're like, oh, this is the year. He's the same every year. At the end of the season, you look at his numbers. He's not getting 1,000 yards. He's going to be right around six to nine touchdowns. He'll have a, a decent year. He'll be a wide receiver of four, and we'll call it a day. Like, no, no. There's no second year with Trevor Lawrence. There's no second year with any quarterback. The guy couldn't do it with Matt Stafford. They, I mean, it, it, it just, no. Okay. Okay, all right. He'll, he'll be solid. Like, as a football player, Marvin Jones is a very, very good player to have on your football team. He's good in the red zone, contested catches, great IQ. But from a fantasy asset, he's one of the most frustrating fantasy players I've ever seen. Because he I will agree. get picked up. If, if he's fair. not drafted, he gets picked up. After he goes for two touchdowns, it'll have four weeks, nothing. And you just had yeah. so much hope for him because the talent is there, but just never quite works out. I I am on board. I that I can agree with that. I have had Marvin Jones in the past and have went through that hardship of uh, of dealing with whether or not he's going to pop off or not, and then dropping him. Then he pops off, pick him back up, and then he gives me some gooses, and I move on and be heartbroken. Uh, but good talks, good talks about the AFC South. Lots of interesting debates about these wide receivers. I like what the Colts are doing with Matt Ryan. I like what the Titans. Go ahead. I have a question. <laughs> is the AFC South the least relevant fantasy division? When you think about it, when you can lane Derrick Henry, I mean, really think about the players. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Brandon Cooks. Maybe if you throw in James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Six players, really. If no other player got drafted... You would say okay. Yeah, I think they're. I think that they definitely could be number one. I don't want to. This is just me thinking off the top <laughs> of the the top of the door. But like the AFC East, you could you might be able to throw the AFC East in there, maybe behind Fantasy them. Wise? I'm not. I mean, you you have much better options in the AFC East, but like the depth of that. I mean, you have. Alan Diggs. The Buffalo Bills alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's fair. And then the Dolphins. No, just, and then you got the Dolphins. It was really just it yeah. was just off the top of the nod. Because you think of the, the Patriots yeah. have no one. The the Jets have 
May, the, the Patriots and Jets have some sneaky players, like similar to like what a, a James Robinson, no. Travis Etienne. They're like they're sneaky right. players, but like I, I agree, I do agree with you. I think that that the AFC South is probably the weakest fantasy division out there. I think it's fair to say. It's crazy, crazy. That it's does crazy. it though for this weak ass AFC South fantasy outlook. <laughs> we'll be back again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Uh, right here on YouTube to talk about hopefully not a bitch-ass AFC South fantasy <laughs> outlook. <laughs> Until then, though, for your boy AJ Johnson and for Aaron Hughes, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Sack City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city, so don't forget to hit that follow button. Sack City. Population, one more. <laughs>